Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about detoxification. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen in to our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice. So don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven Nett as a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. We're going to be talking about detoxification techniques today. So let's start by defining what types of toxins can get into the body and how they get there. Well, there's basically four types of toxic entities, and those include chemical, biological, physical, and radiation. And I'll give you a little description of each. Okay. So chemical toxins include heavy metals like lead and mercury, industrial chemicals like detergents and ammonia and formaldehyde, chlorine gas, cyanide, methyl alcohol, insecticides, herbicides, and pesticides, cigarette smoke, excessive alcohol, recreational drugs, and most medications. Biological toxins are toxic substances that can be produced by microorganisms like bacteria and fungi, as well as insects, animals, or plants. And this includes food poisoning from E. coli or salmonella. And just this week, there were eggs that were recalled because they had salmonella poisoning associated with them. Okay. And other things on, along this line include snake venom and formic acid from ant bites and bee stings. Okay. Physical toxins include coal dust, asbestos fibers, carbon monoxide gas, and smoke inhalation from a fire. Mm -hmm. And then radiation poisoning can occur from acute or heavy exposure to radiation, such as being close to an atomic bomb explosion or receiving radiation therapy for cancer. And then chronic prolonged exposure to the sun's radiation can also create toxicity to the point of causing cancer. Okay. Now, as far as how the different types of toxins reach the body, in addition to direct consumption through food, water, pills, needles, or direct contact or breach of our skin, other ways we are exposed to toxins include through the environment, through the air, water, and soil. And there is also occupational hazards, including people that work in print shops, hairdressers, nail techs, and dentists. All right, so that goes over the different types and how they get into the body. So what are the body's normal methods for detoxifying itself on an ongoing basis? Well, there's many. I mean, first of all, we have skin that acts as a barrier to toxins, but also skin also excretes toxins through sweat. Mm. And your saliva is in the mouth area, which also is one of the first places where heavy metals are actually detoxed. Okay. Your stomach acid does a nice job of neutralizing toxins because of its low pH. And then as food gets into the colon, the colon is actually like the garbage can of the body. And that's where a lot of the toxins end up or, and are eliminated eventually. 
All right. If uh, toxins get into the bloodstream, the first filter is your liver, and your liver has over 500 jobs, and of course, uh, one of which is to detoxify chemicals. Mm -hmm. And then the final filter of our blood is our kidneys. And so when the kidneys detoxify, the chemicals usually end up in your urine. And then, of course, there's a lymph system, which is your second circulatory system. You actually have more than double lymph than blood in your body. And it's kind of like the waste management sewage system of the body where a lot mm -hmm. of stuff ends up. Your white blood cells circulate through there as well as your bloodstream. And they actually also consume waste. They're kind of like the janitors of the body. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, your fatty tissues where a lot of the toxins end up being stored. Now, in the lymph system, when the stuff is eliminated, how does it get out of the body? 80% of the lymph gets filtered by your liver eventually, and then it'll end up being eliminated through the kidneys and colon. Okay. Now, since the body already has its own detoxification systems, why would there be a need for any kind of detoxification techniques to be applied to it? Why can't it handle everything on its own? Well, first of all, some people have inadequate detoxabilities due to various factors, including genetics and hereditary weaknesses. Okay. So they require more help as far as that's concerned. Also, the total load of toxins or an overload, mostly due to chronic exposure, not acute exposure, can occur. And you can actually get more information on this by reading books from Dr. Sherry Rogers. She's written about 20 books focusing on environmental toxicity. Okay. And then not only are there more toxins than ever, but there's new toxins today that pose more issues than ever before. So we're just bombarded from all ends on various toxins and things that our bodies really weren't designed to handle. Now, are you going to be explaining what some of those new toxins are? Absolutely. Okay. Another th problem now that's occurring quite frequently is leaky gut syndrome. Your gut is a barrier that prevents our body from absorbing toxins into the bloodstream and our vital organs. So when that gets disrupted, Due to various things, various drugs and chemicals, then more problems occur. All right. So it's the barrier of the large intestine wall that keeps toxins out. And when that's breached, more of them get through. Right. Okay. And then we have what's called the blood-brain barrier, and that can get breached by toxins too and cause neurological issues and then chronic problems like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease. Okay. And so the result is we end up with more chronic diseases due to toxic exposure. All right. That sounds like what's been going on lately. Absolutely. All right. When the body isn't able to detoxify adequately, what are the most common symptoms and conditions that people will see? Well, the most common conditions associated with toxic overload include cancer, heart disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, chemical sensitivity, autism, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorders autoimmune disorders, and Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease. Okay. So those are some of the conditions. And what about symptoms? Well, symptoms can vary from mild to moderate to severe. And most of the time, again, toxicity is a long-term problem that takes many years to develop uh, due to the accumulation of small amounts of toxins. Mm -hmm. However, acute exposure uh, due to excessive amounts can also occur too, but it's obviously more rare. So mild symptoms of toxicity can include things like um, behavior changes, uh, nausea, upset stomach, loss of appetite, diarrhea, dizziness, headaches, uh, fatigue, and minor skin or eye irritation. 
Interesting, because some of those are the same type of symptoms people experience when they go through a detox phase, whether it's through diet or other things is the nausea and the dizziness and the headachey type stuff as the toxins are being released back out of their fatty tissues or back out of different areas of the body into their system. Precisely. So more moderate symptoms of toxicity can include blurred vision, excessive tearing, confusion, fever, low blood pressure. You'll notice also your skin could be either pale, flushed, or yellowish. Heart rate tends to speed up as it's try- the body's trying to eliminate the toxins. You can develop seizures, much more severe diarrhea or nausea. You'll tend to sweat as a result of this and be thirsty. Okay. And then the more severe symptoms of toxicity can include, and this is usually due to a recent potentially fatal exposure of some type of chemical, Mm. Uh, extreme thirst, high fever, uncontrolled and severe muscle twitching or convulsions, uh, seizures that actually don't respond to treatment, rapid heart rate and low blood pressure, inability to breathe or rapid breathing and loss of consciousness. Yeah, those are pretty serious. Yep. So that would be why doctors and hospitals would be asking people when they have symptoms like that, if they've had any exposure recently to any chemicals, uh, whether it's cleaning chemicals or photograph, well, I guess photographic chemicals wouldn't be used much anymore now, would they? No. But other toxic type chemicals they'd need to know about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, a special category of toxicity has to do with heavy metals. What are the ways those get into the body? Well, first of all, the most common toxic heavy metals are aluminum, arsenic, cadmium, lead, and mercury. And believe it or not, chromium and iron are heavy metals that can both be beneficial as well as harmful. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, in smaller amounts, they're vital nutrients, but in large amounts, they can actually be toxic. Mm. Yeah. Now, the ways that toxic heavy metals can get into the body, first of all, aluminum, right at the top of the list is vaccines. Yeah. They're very common in various vaccines, including flu vaccines. Um, They seem to have replaced, in a lot of cases, mercury. They'll brag that it's the marisol-free. The marisol is actually the chemical that includes mercury Mercury. in it. Right, yeah, because that used to be in contact lens solutions too. Mm -hmm. And another major source of aluminum is antiperspirants, Mm -hmm. along with natural deodorant stones and crystals. Oh, really? That'll yeah. be a surprise to some people. I know. So use the Environmental Working Group app that we talked about on our previous episodes, the one on Sunburn, to scan or barcode or, or QR code these various products to make sure there isn't any in it. All right, hold on. You're going to be immediately put to the test. Okay. All right, so let's see. I've got the app and scan i'm going to scan my deodorant which is tom's of maine allergy purposes not so good because it's got some fragrance in it this is an apricot scented one so it's got some fragrance and everything else is actually very good it's got a very good score as far as cancer concern a very good score as far as developmental concern So there isn't much problem with this. So this was an actual live test for our listeners that was using the app that you talked about last week and checking in my deodorant. All right. Well, good choice on that one. Yep. 
This is pretty long on aluminum, but everybody needs to be aware of these things so that they can be um, proactive on this. Obviously, cooking with aluminum foil can pose problems. Mm -hmm. And aluminum cookware, especially when exposed to salty, acidic foods. Well, just cooking in aluminum cookware, period, is not a good idea. Yeah, but that makes it worse. Now, here's one that most people don't know about, and that's teas, especially mint and peppermint. Most teas actually have aluminum in them. Now, would that be organic? I wouldn't be organic teas, would it? Depends on the soil it was grown in. Really? Yep. Other things include animal feed. Some medications, including antacids and aspirin, have aluminum in them. Of course, auto exhaust. And aluminum is used as an anti-caking and drying agent. So anti-caking means it keeps things from sticking together. Right. And so that's in flour, baking powders, and table salt. So people need to look at the ingredients on anything. Mm-hmm. Obviously, beverages and aluminum cans, including soda, beer, and juice. Mm-hmm. Processed cheese. Mm. It's also found in cigarette smoke, color additives, cosmetics. It's included in a lot of mercury amalgam fillings. Tap water, and why? Because aluminum is used to cause sediment to sink to the bottom of municipal water sources. Mm. Yeah. It's also been found in nasal spray, pesticides, and toothpaste. Wow. Okay. That is quite a list. Yeah. That, and that's the short list. <laughs> okay. Now, arsenic is found in conventionally raised poultry and eggs. So again, you want to do... Um, Pasture-raised. Pasture-raised eggs. Okay. Organic. Uh, it's also found in commercial chicken feed, some beers, treated wood because it acts as a preservative. Uh, it's in coal combustion, and it's often found in drinking water in many countries, including the United States. Arsenic is also found in pesticides, fungicides, and insecticides. It's commonly also found in paints, table salt, tobacco smoke, rice, and rice products, especially. Organic has much less, but that's one thing if you're eating lots of rice, that if you do a, an analysis for heavy metals, if it shows up high in arsenic, it tends to be from rice. Okay. It's also found in cosmetics and seafood from coastal waters, especially oysters and shrimp. Hmm. Yeah. And finally, soil. Okay. So the next on the list is cadmium. Top of the list is cigarettes and marijuana, and there's a ton of other things, but I want to get to one that uh, most people aren't aware of, and that is it's predominantly found in fruits and vegetables due to its high rate of soil to plant transfer. Hmm. So food grown on cadmium-contaminated soil due to sewage sludge, chemical fertilizers, and contaminated irrigation water includes broccoli, cabbage, lettuce, carrots, onions, tomatoes, spinach, sunflower seeds, and especially potatoes. Mm. Yeah. All right. So getting organic or growing your own is always, again, the best way to do it. That's for sure. And we're going to have a list in the podcast notes or uh, a link to a list that has all the different sources of the different heavy metals. That instead of going over the entire list of each one on this episode, we're going to attach that for you. Just go over some of the key ones. Yeah. So the final two are lead and mercury. So lead is found in things like auto exhaust and batteries and cigarette smoke and it can be also in cans that use lead solder sealing, such as juices and vegetables. And then mercury is found in mercury amalgam fillings, dental fillings, some fish, especially tuna, shark, mackerel, and swordfish. And it still is found in vaccines. 
So we'll have that list available because there's a ton more to go over. Absolutely. And one thing I don't think you mentioned about lead is lead-based paint, which is in probably most homes that were built before 1978. And that was where that came about. The change in paint having lead in it in that year was because children were eating paint chips and they were getting neurological conditions that were pretty serious. So if somebody is buying a house or lives in a house that was built before 1978, there is the potential of having that type of paint underneath other layers of paint. And there's specific rules on how you have to remove that, which we're not going to go into in this episode, but you should just contact your local realtor who can help you with that. All right. So is that the end of the list of the uh, heavy metals and the types of ways they get into the body? Yes. Okay. So now we talked about the heavy metals. What are some tests that are effective for determining if there's a heavy metal toxicity? Well, there's actually four ways that you can test for heavy metal toxicity. Mm -hmm. Blood is routinely checked for heavy metal toxicity, but it only shows very acute and extreme metal poisoning. And since the damage at the cell level can occur at much lower levels than what's measured in the blood test, a blood test for heavy metal toxicity should only be used for acute exposure to heavy metals. Okay. Now, urine is recommended when you're checking to see how well toxic heavy metals are being eliminated after taking a metal detox agent like DMSA. Okay. Fecal, also known as the poop test, is recommended when trying to determine actual exposure to toxic heavy metals as opposed to accumulation of them in the body, which is what hair analysis is best at. Oh, okay. Yeah. And for many toxic metals, the primary natural route of eliminating them is through the feces. So this test is an excellent representation of what metals are ingested in the diet and eliminated into the intestines. Okay. And finally, hair. I mean, this is the best test to determine current and accumulative exposure of which heavy metals are being deposited into the tissues of the body, including the brain. Mm -hmm. It's even recognized as a reliable and valuable test by both the U.S. EPA and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Yeah, that's the one that I've always known about because it is important to see how much accumulation you have. If you have a small exposure for a week, it's not going to usually affect a person too seriously, but if you have exposure for a long period of time and it builds up in your system, that's when people tend to get these more serious conditions. Right. Yeah. Out of the four tests, this is by far the one I've run the most on myself as well as my patients. Yeah. That's a good test and it's an easy enough one to do. Yeah. Now, are there any tests for toxicity in the body that aren't just heavy metal tests? Oh, Yeah. There's many regulatory agencies that have toxicity tests to determine if various substances are safe for industrial usage or for human consumption. And these include drugs, industrial chemicals, food additives, and herbicides, pesticides, and insecticides. Unfortunately, these agencies don't always make the right decision concerning safety and toxicity, especially if they have people who have financial interest in the products that they are qualifying as safe or toxic. No way. Yes. <laughs> I know this is right up your alley. Mm -hmm. Pharmaceutical companies and chemical companies have huge lobbying power in Washington and, and can influence legislation that is favorable for both drugs and toxic chemicals. An example is there's a mass vaccine and a bunch of people die from it. They cannot be sued. Right. And also, there's no logical or ethical explanation how chemicals like glyphosate and 2,4-D, the active ingredients in the herbicides Roundup and Enlist Duo, 
could still be allowed despite overwhelming damning evidence of toxicity issues and the direct correlation with their increased use and the increased amount of associated chronic diseases, especially autism. Mm -hmm. So I have an article here called, Is the Weed Killer Glyphosate Harming Your Health? Written by William Shaw, PhD. He's the medical director at the Great Plains Laboratory. So I have a graph here, and what it represents is the number of cases of autism and the amount of glyphosate that's been applied over the last over a 20-year period between 1990 and 2010. Mm -hmm. And the glyphosate is applied to corn and soy in the United States. Mm -hmm. And they completely correlate with each other as far as the number of cases of autism, which back in 1990, there was like zero. Mm -hmm. And this is the only thing that seems to have changed during that time. Mm. So the evidence is damning. So the way that the scientists have found how glyphosate actually can lead to autism is that people eat the food that's been sprayed with the GMO corn and soy that's been sprayed with glyphosate. And it gets into the body and it tends to reduce the good bacteria in your colon and allows toxic bacteria to reproduce. Mm -hmm. And this toxic bacteria can cause chemicals that inhibit the conversion of certain brain chemicals. And this excess of one chemical can cause brain damage. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now there's other toxicity tests that can be run. And my current favorite lab is the Great Plains Laboratory. Mm -hmm. I just currently ordered what's called an environmental toxins panel, which has three parts to it. The first one happens to be a glyphosate test. And I just mentioned it's one of the two active ingredients in the herbicide Roundup. And it has duo. Yeah. And we're not going to mention the company name Monsanto on the air. Okay. So glyphosate, this test detects exact levels of this toxin in the body. And in addition to autism, other chronic diseases with high correlation with glyphosate usage include stroke, diabetes, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, and various cancers. It's not good. No. There's two other tests that go with it. One's a, they're all urine tests. Uh, another one checks for toxic organic chemical exposure, and that includes the other ingredient in Roundup called 2,4-D. And it includes a total of 172 toxic non-metal environmental chemicals. Okay. And then the final one's called the organic acids test, and it's an excellent urine test that checks 74 different items that give a good picture of what's going on in the body, and it's very useful for discovering the underlying causes of chronic illness. All right, and most of those would be determined by a doctor who sees from the person's history or from their symptoms that there's a potential toxic situation going on in their body, and they want to rule it in or rule it out, most likely. Yeah. Okay. And then finally... We have at our office a questionnaire that we use to determine how toxic someone might be and how well they are actually detoxing. That's great. Yeah. And it's called the xenobiotic tolerance test. The word xenobiotic is a chemical or substance that's foreign to the body. Aha. All right. So it's usually artificial or synthetic and includes drugs, pollutants, cancer-causing agents, pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, and some food additives and cosmetics. Now, xenobiotic, xeno is X-E-N-O, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
It's like Xeriscape, spelled X-E-R-O. That's plants that you put in your yard that aren't necessarily common for the area. Yes. So it's a similar type of thing. It's things that aren't commonly found in the body. Yeah, foreign substance. Right. Okay. Yeah. So depending on how you score, it'll tell you how much toxic load you have in the body. Okay. Yeah. And that's an easy thing. That's somebody that person can request that from you if they wanted to, I assume. Yes. Okay, good. Then what are the best natural ways to eliminate heavy metal toxicity if somebody finds that they have higher levels of mercury or lead or aluminum or cadmium or something like that in their body? What are the best ways to be able to eliminate that toxicity? Well, first of all, there's some excellent foods that have been proven to effectively uh, get rid of heavy metals out of the body, and they include garlic, mm -hmm. cilantro, chlorella, which is a blue-green algae, and kelp. And I'd like to give an example, a personal example of this. Okay. I think it was sometime last year, I, I started using this hand cream that had aluminum in it, mm -hmm. and I started noticing I was forgetting things like crazy. Hmm. Yeah, and it turned out that that you know the aluminum can cross the blood-brain barrier and, and make you forgetful. So, I got a hold of some chlorella, and in a very short period of time, I stopped forgetting things. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. So, other nutrients that can actually help with this include the minerals zinc and selenium, vitamin C, the liver antioxidant glutathione, but it's better to actually take N-acetylcysteine, which gets converted to glutathione. Mm-hmm. DMSA and EDTA, which is a food preservative that it's used for intravenous and oral chelation. And chelation is a process where it binds things like heavy metals and other things that get into the blood and, and gets rid of them. All right. Well, we're going to need a list of these again. So put that on your list of lists to make for this podcast. Okay. One more thing, a more recent discovery of a nutrient that is outstanding in heavy metal elimination with research to back it up is modified citrus pectin. Okay. Which is even more beneficial than regular pectin because instead of remaining in the digestive tract like regular pectin, it's modified to enter the circulation where heavy metals can end up. And by the way, after the Chernobyl nuclear power plant disaster in 1986 in Russia, Regular fruit pectins and kelp were used to remove radiation from the victims of this disaster, and it was research into the detoxification properties of these unique compounds during the aftermath of Chernobyl that led to the production and introduction of modified citrus pectin in 1995. Wow, that's great. Yeah. What are the most effective natural detoxification techniques you've used with your patients? Well, in addition to the foods and nutrients we just discussed for heavy metals, there's other nutrients that are good for detoxification, including alpha-lipoic acid, kelp, dandelion leaf and root, and milk thistle seed extract. And I'm actually researching a new supplement that looks promising for ridding the body of glyphosate. Uh, they did a six-week clinical study that showed that it reduced 74% of glyphosate levels in the body. Very good. Yeah. So... Fasting is one of the oldest detox procedures, and basically what it does is allow the body to catch up on the toxic load it's already accumulated so that you can detox what's already there without adding new toxins to the body. All right. Drinking purified water. So one caution with reverse osmosis and distilled water is that they remove vital nutrients and electrolytes, so you must supplement them to compensate for this. Okay. 
The best that I've found as far as purified water is that which removes the harmful chemicals like heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and chloramines, but keeps the good minerals in there. So I just ordered a water filtration system that accomplishes this for not only my kitchen sink, but also for my lawn and organic garden irrigation. And I just put in an organic garden and fruit trees and bushes last week. And it wouldn't make any sense if I use city water that contains fluoride, chlorine, and chloramines and heavy metals, which would basically defeat the purpose of eating clean and organic. That's for sure. Yeah. So for more information on the ideal earth water filtration systems, go to refreshingcleanwater.com. And by the way, in addition to eliminating heavy metals, fluoride, and chlorine and chloramines, these systems also eliminate radiation, drug residues, herbicides and pesticides, and other chemicals, especially some of the ones that are tested in that environmental toxin panel that I ordered. Okay. And this is all done while maintaining healthy minerals and electrolytes along with a healthy water pH plus limiting bacterial growth. Okay. Yeah. There's also some really great cleanses that you can do. And my favorite is the liver gallbladder flush. And this helps the, the body get rid of accumulated bile and cholesterol deposits in the liver and gallbladder. And I've been doing this myself usually about once a year, and I've been recommending it for over 25 years for my patients. And I've saved dozens of gallbladders, many of which were scheduled for surgical removal because of gallstones. Mm -hmm. And the first time I did it, I noticed 14 gallstones the size of jelly beans and literally hundreds that looked like little peas in my stool elimination. Wow. Yeah. Now, Dr. Schultz also has some really good cleanses. There's three that I've done from him that are called the colon, liver, and kidney detoxes. Mm -hmm. Each one lasts about five days, and they're very effective. And then another type of cleansing that, that is really good is colonics and coffee enemas, which help improve elimination, and they can even rid the body of parasites. That's correct. Yeah. Another thing that we actually have at our office is an ion foot bath which is a safe battery-operated device that creates the same environment as a walk along the beach. Hmm. But it's actually more powerful because your feet are in direct contact with the mineral ions generated in the water. All right. And so it creates this electromagnetic field in the water, and it's similar to the energy produced and used by the body. And that magnetic force is used to neutralize and eliminate harmful toxins from the body. Mm-hmm. So the reason it works with the feet is because of gravity plus the fact that we spend so much time on our feet, toxins, including heavy metals, tend to concentrate in the lowest part of the body and fortunately away from our vital organs. That's good. And also the largest sweat glands along with the largest pores in the body are located in your feet, allowing the body to effectively release toxins from that area. Okay. Yeah. So for more information on the ion foot bath, you can contact our office or read about it on our website at nedcairo.com. Okay. Now, the infrared sauna is a sauna that utilizes infrared heat energy instead of hot air or steam like traditional saunas to help you sweat toxins out of the body. Mm -hmm. And we have one of those in our office too. And so the infrared heat burners produce energy just like the sun without the potentially harmful ultraviolet rays. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point that it's very similar except for that one negative that's eliminated. Exactly. So the infrared rays penetrate your skin up to an inch and a half, causing your core temperature to rise, resulting in increased sweating as much as two to three times as a traditional sauna. And that elevates your heart rate, 
and it's done at a much lower temperature, like between 110 and 150 degrees, as opposed to a traditional sauna, which is 180 to 235 degrees. Okay. Yeah. And another really neat uh, program is called the Purification Rundown, also known as the Purification Program. Mm-hmm. And this is based on the material in the book Clear Body, Clear Mind by L. Ron Hubbard from decades of research that Mr. Hubbard did on the toxic effects of drugs and environmental chemicals, as well as radiation affecting the body and mind. Okay. In fact, during the 1950s, Mr. Hubbard lived in Phoenix, Arizona, just a few hundred miles to the south of the Nevada desert, where American nuclear bomb testing occurred, and the radioactive dust fallout spread for hundreds of miles across the skies during that time. So he spoke of everything registering hot on a radiation-detecting Geiger counter, and that was vegetation, livestock, and even the piano in his living room buzzed with minute radioactive particles. Wow. And that was in Phoenix? Yes. Okay. And then in the 1960s and 70s, when recreational drug abuse really took off, Mr. Hubbard made the discovery that LSD residues can lodge in the body, particularly in the fatty tissues, and stay there for years. Hmm. So, and then several years after his discovery, medical experts performed autopsies to confirm this. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then at that time, it was then realized that not just drugs stay in the body's fatty tissues for years, but also other toxic substances that we encounter every day, including food preservatives, industrial chemicals, household cleaning products, and insecticides, pesticides, just to name a few. All right. So the harmful chemicals are somehow getting stored in the fatty tissues and just staying there. And then over time, affecting people in a variety of different ways. That's right. Okay. So Mr. Hubbard found that the accumulation of all these drug and toxic residues, including radiation in the body, can ruin a person's health, energy level, memory, and even reduce the ability to study and learn. So he then developed the purification rundown in the late 1970s after thousands of hours of research and testing. And it includes an exact closely monitored regimen that combines exercise, sauna sweating, and nutrition. So I've done it twice, and it was incredibly beneficial both times. And there's two really interesting things that happened to me when I did it. All right. What were they? Well, the first one is I I had a really bad sunburn about six months before the first time I did it. And I remember when I was sitting in the sauna, I started to itch and I noticed my skin was bright red in the areas where my previous sunburn occurred. So I was literally re-experiencing the sunburn radiation and it disappeared after about 15 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And then the second thing that was wild was about three years before I did my first purification rundown, I had a tooth pulled. And I took codeine for the post-op pain, not knowing I was allergic to it. Oh. Yeah. And that night I was up with horrific back spasms. I mean, it was something I never experienced before or since. Hmm. And when I was in the sauna one day, I re-experienced these same back spasms for about 10 minutes, knowing with certainty that I was detoxing out the codeine from the past. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't they do this with the, uh, the first responders? that were there for 9-11, it was either them or it was somebody else and they had inhaled a lot of toxic stuff and it was affecting their health and these guys were going into the sauna and they were sweating out just like awful, like yellow stuff or orange stuff out of their bodies and it was saving a lot of the firefighters who were actually coming down with these unexplainable illnesses. That's correct. Wow. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah. So, you know, our mom was diagnosed in 1984 with the deadly incurable autoimmune disease, scleroderma. Correct. And she became my first patient after I graduated at the end of 1989, which was the five-year mark from her diagnosis and the time they predicted she would succumb to it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I threw the kitchen sink at her with numerous alternative health approaches, including chiropractic, acupuncture, diet, and supplements. And then I believe she did her purification rundown in 1993, about a year after I did my first one. Mm -hmm. And it helped her tremendously. Remember, she was a hairdresser. And back when she did permanence and used various chemicals in the earlier part of her career, she didn't wear masks and didn't always wear gloves for protection. Correct. So she was exposed to a tremendous amount of toxic fumes and chemicals for many years, which likely contributed to her disease. Right. And so the purification rundown helped her to detox chemicals she'd been exposed to, and, and it definitely helped to extend her life further. Uh, she lived 21 years instead of the five years that she was given by the Cleveland Clinic. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there anything else you'd like to say before we end? Yes. Okay. So I would like to acknowledge and make everyone aware of an organization that's leading the way in coming up with workable scientific solutions to planetary environmental issues, including toxicity, that affect land, water, plants, animals, and people. Okay. And who would that be? It's called the Earth Organization. Oh, you mean Barbara Weisman, who I interviewed on my own podcast. That's right. And it was founded in 2003 by Lawrence Anthony, who is a conservationist from South Africa, also known as the Elephant Whisperer. A conservationist is someone who advocates or acts for the protection and preservation of the environment and wildlife. Mm -hmm. And the reason he was called the Elephant Whisperer was because he had an amazing relationship with a herd of wild African elephants who he rescued from certain death by poachers and government officials. And the bond between him and them was so strong that he could call out to them in the bush near his home in South Africa, and they would come to him as friends. And every time he returned from a trip, the herd would appear at his home to welcome him. Mm -hmm. And on the night that he died in 2012, he was actually 300 miles from his home, but somehow his elephant friends perceived it, and they walked 12 miles to his house, noticeably upset. After staying there for several hours, they did what is normally done when a member of the herd dies, and they disappeared for a few days into the dense African bush to mourn their loss. And another remarkable thing is that each year since this has occurred, they've returned to his home on the anniversary of his death. Just incredible. It is. I know. So other accomplishments of Lawrence Anthony's life include negotiations leading to a UN peace treaty stopping the senseless killing of highly endangered northern white rhinos. And he also went to Iraq in 2003 at the outset of the chaotic war zone of the second Gulf War to help successfully rescue the animals of the Baghdad Zoo with the help of some brave U.S. military that volunteered to help him on the spot. And his incredible accomplishments are found in three books that he co-authored and are available at theearthorganization.org. Yes, and we'll have a link for that in the podcast notes, as well as a link to my episode with Barbara Wiseman from the Lawrence Anthony Earth Organization. Excellent. So I just wanted to say that the Earth Organization's mission is to reverse the decline of the plant and animal kingdoms and our environment through education and the implementation of effective solutions. And the founder, Lawrence Anthony, coined the term cooperative ecology, 
which is based on the fact that none of us survive alone and that all life does best when it works together with other life. And so cooperative ecology is an approach to living and working together with the natural world in a better and more humane way. And some of their programs having to do with preventing or handling toxicity, which we've just gone over, mm -hmm. include a clean waters program, removing oil and chemical pollutants from freshwater and ocean environments, and improving policy and planning that governs hazardous chemical and oil spill cleanup methods. So I just want to say that I'm a proud monthly donor of their organization, and I recommend everyone to check them out and help them out, again, at the earthorganization.org. And I also happen to know the Senior Vice President and Science and Technology Advisory Committee Coordinator, Diane Wagenbrenner, who happens to be a friend and a patient of mine. All right, cool. Thank you. Those were very interesting with a lot of unexpectedly good information on this topic. And it kind of links into the one we're going to get into next week, because next week we're going to be talking about autoimmune conditions and going into more detail about those, where they come from, why they're happening, and what to do about them. Again, excellent information, Steve. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And we'll have another body chat next week. All righty. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week, and if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week. Yeah.